Hey guys, you're listening to the Pod Must Not Be Named. I am your host Sammy with my co-host Maddie. Hi Maddie. Hello. This is a podcast where we talk about things that we find interesting, things that we like, and things that we don't like so much. So Sammy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, nowadays and i guess we have a guest to introduce uh, our audience to in this episode so madi would you do the honors yeah uh, i'm very much honored to introduce this uh, guest we have uh, vidhi bubna with with us she's a founder at uh, everest pr uh, also a youth ambassador at center for escalation of uh, peace between india and bhutan and of course uh, an indian ambassador for space for humanity so uh, vidhi it's i'm delighted to have you with us uh, so yeah thank you for joining us in the pod oh uh, thank you so much it's a pleasure for me to be joining here and to be having this conversation with you and i'm really excited for the conversation ahead because i'm sure you know whatever work you all are doing it's very very inspiring to a lot of people thank you thank you and uh, sammy uh, sammy was really excited to have you as our guest uh, so sammy could you kick us off with the uh, first question yeah so initially when i was you know reading about you and uh, checking out your profile uh, the professional profile i was very much impressed by uh, you know how you have been working with india bhutan relations and your interest in policy making which i found really intriguing uh, at the first glance itself so yeah about india bhutan now i would like to you know ask you about since uh, bhutan is such a you know it's seen like an ally or we, we see bhutan just uh, you know a very very close uh, ally of us a very good neighbor of us and uh, you know whenever i talk to anyone about bhutan people who have been around to uh, the globe and who travel a lot and i we uh, people generally have a negative point of view about religion and these uh, guys who have been traveling to bhutan as well they always you know turn to me and say that if a person has a negative point of view about religion and they wonder that uh, religion only has negative impact on the society they must uh, you know visit thimphu once in their lives just to understand uh, what good religion brings to the table so i would like to you know point or uh, uh, tell us uh, tell our listeners about how bhutan has a very different uh, you know scenario when it comes to religion uh so bhutan is a very very peaceful country you know i'm glad you brought this question up because uh, a lot of people really don't know much about the religion in bhutan so bhutan is a very very religious place and all the people over there they don't just pray to god as an idol or god as a spirit but they even pray to everything around you like they pray to the trees they pray to their cars they even end up praying to the mountains and the rivers so everything in bhutan is considered to be animate and it's considered to have god as a factor inside them and that's what i really really find interesting you know because today in the world where a lot of people are not even respecting each other bhutanese have learned to respect everything including nature and you even see that in a lot of the policies which are present in the country like there's this thing called as uh, gross national happiness where all the bhutanese people learn to value their own happiness just like we have learned to value gdp in our country 
so there's the saying you know that people in india are running after money and people in bhutan are running after their own happiness so it's very very interesting to see that and when you learn to uh, value your own happiness you understand the value of uh, trees mountains rivers because at the end the entire world is connected and if we don't learn to value these things even we won't be happy like even you can see with the pandemic which is happening right now a lot of people are saying that nature has turned against us and why has this happened you know it's maybe because we don't care about nature in the environment anymore whereas in bhutan it's almost a completely covid free country you even see this everywhere in bhutan that people over there value nature and nature in return takes care of the people there uh like it said that uh, god is everywhere uh, if uh, he or she exists and uh, i think that the bhutanese are uh, taking it to a uh, uh, next level right they see yeah, god definitely. in everyone they see god in everyone and they see god in everything i have a friend one day like they have a ritual every time before they take a plane or they make a journey they pray to the deities over there and they pray for the safety that okay let me travel to a particular location and come back so one day before my friend was going to travel somebody told her that the next day is not auspicious to travel so that day she just took her car out after praying to the deity to fool the goddess that okay i'm going to travel today itself whereas she was going to go the next day so over there people take their religion and their spirituality very very seriously like in india we may think oh, okay this is absurd why is somebody doing this you know but at the end they realize that everything is interconnected and they need to keep every everyone and everything happy that's really admirable and uh, like so if uh, you have been to bhutan multiple times right so uh, like how are people uh, accepting are they more accepting of other beliefs other faiths because i i get a feeling that uh, like if if you are someone who likes to uh, pray anything and everything you also would like to appreciate the differences uh, in others right so uh, how do they maintain that sovereignty the concept of sovereignty or uh, even uh, you know secularism there uh, the you know the freedom to practice any religion uh, are yeah, there any yeah, specific so- policies set in please enlighten us uh, that's a very interesting question you know just like india bhutan is also a very very religious country but the only difference is that india has a lot of diverse religions and lot of diverse cultures whereas bhutan only believes in having one religion as such but they're very open to other cultures as well you know so in terms of that i think the openness which exists in bhutan is very very extreme you know they're even more open than india itself like india despite having a lot of open cultures right now a lot of cultures is still come under caste issues and there are still a lot of issues which are dividing india but when you go to bhutan you learn that the people over there are not divided at all they believe in one being one they believe in being interconnected and there was this recent story which has surfaced last year in bhutan that basically uh, virat kohli and anushka were touring around there and there was a village couple they did not even know that virat and anushka are like very very big celebrities in india and they still gave them shelter at home they cook local food for them and people in bhutan do that for anyone and about everyone you know they are still very connected to the roots 
and maybe it's also because of population like the population of bhutan is around just 7 lakh people it's not even a million and if you go to compare that with the population of india population is so large there's so many social issues prevailing here and there's a lot of distrust in our society whereas in bhutan they've even learned to trust strangers invite them home and you know feed them food yeah you know and so again uh, bringing in the indian india and bhutan uh, scenario back into the picture i i remember i was attending this uh, jaipur literature uh, literature festival last year and i attended this session where, uh, which was called south asia walls and bridges and uh, in the in the discussion there was this panelist who also mentioned uh, about her tour in the west and she says that while she was while she always you know uh, travels in london or uh, wherever in spain and there's a shop that sells south asian cuisine or any cuisine for say pakistani cuisine or nepali cuisine they uh, you know the name of the restaurant is indian cuisine indian restaurant and that is what people generally say what soft power is or what we call cultural ex- exchanges this is what you know we call the indian soft power of the continent uh, even if there's a shop that sells bhutanese cuisine will label their shop as uh, you know indian indian restaurant so how does this come into play when when we talk about india bhutan relationships and how does you know these small small uh, things like food play a huge role in impacting the people to people contact that people that you know these two countries have and also that uh, i still remember as i think i've mentioned this that the only difference between a bhutanese and indian people as uh, one of our former prime ministers said is only the color of their passports so how do you see when it comes to you know on ground people to people conversations between uh, the citizens of these two countries so i largely think that india and bhutan uh, at least bhutan knows a lot about indian culture because most of the bhutanese citizens have grown up watching indian bollywood movies so just like you and i are very very you know fascinated with maybe shahrukh khan amir khan and priyanka chopra bhutanese feel the same way towards indian celebrities and because they've grown up watching indian movies bollywood movies at large they just feel like bollywood is theirs you know they want to feel like they are a part of the culture too so they can sing bollywood songs very well and they've even picked up a lot of hindi words from there but at large i don't think india as such knows a lot about bhutan or the culture of bhutan you know the people of india are more oriented towards western countries than towards asian countries itself like today it's more possible that an indian will know more about america than bhutan though both of them are neighboring countries and i just feel like uh, we deserve to know a lot more about each other india definitely has soft power over bhutan because in terms of sheer size you know our country is so much bigger than bhutan at large so it just makes more sense for them to know a lot more about us though uh, they have their own culture they have their own dishes and their own food like they have a cheese dish over there which very much resembles swiss fondue the very first time i tried it I didn't even know it's culturally culturally Bhutanese. I thought it's a Swiss dish. So, yeah, just learning a little more about their food and their culture would be very interesting for our youth also. Because I feel like oh, at the end of the day, it is India's neighbors which are going to make it stronger. Like even if you see with India-China relations right now, 
our relations have gone down with china and if this happens with other south asian countries in india it won't be a very good space for india to live in geopolitically so we need to focus more on our neighbors than building relationships outside asia for now is what i think because especially during the pandemic as you see there's increased nationalism and people are focusing more on their own countries so uh, we need to focus more on our neighbors because at the end they are the fastest way to maybe protect us during the pandemic maybe give us more space maybe give us more access to natural resources yeah and you know as you brought in the china angle i i also checked out that you have been you know into policy making at least your interests have been in, inclined there and so i wanted to know more about this because uh, as i was you know looking at india bhutan and bhutan as a country uh, this there's a news that a uh, chinese tourism in bhutan has been you know increasing with a very exponential level in the recent years so how does this play uh, with india bhutan relationships as well the soft power that china is to uh, is pushing into the country uh so bhutan as a country itself has a choice when uh, it has to make when it comes to india and china we cannot tell bhutan okay we are going to do this for you and you do that this for us in return you know that's not how international relations or diplomacy works and bhutan itself is very wary of china because if you see china has been in trying to increase its territory geopolitically with everything that's happening in taiwan and hong kong as well and even the south china sea so most of the countries in the south asian region have a more have a relationship of fear with china more than a relationship of friendliness and the same thing extend to extends towards bhutan so if you know in the indian media around a year or a year and a half ago there was a dokla border issue and the dokla border is not located in india it's actually located in bhutan so when uh, and that's the one of the ways that china is trying to you know increase its territory as well which is why the dokla border so when they try to extend their borders there they not only uh, tampered with their relations with india they also did that with bhutan so india and bhutan have always stood one against like all neighbors all allies all the other allies because we share a very special relationship with bhutan uh okay uh, so like uh, just just uh, continuing on the same uh, thread i i just wanted to know uh, as as the youth ambassador at center uh, for escalation of peace uh, what uh, in broader strokes what does the job description exactly entitle like what uh, is it that you set out to do as the youth ambassador okay i get that question a lot so i'm very very glad you asked me that because as the youth ambassador people often fail to understand what role we are playing between the two countries so the ambassador's role is to increase international relations to increase the spread of cultural tourism to maintain peace and harmony along the border of india and bhutan whereas as the youth ambassador my role is very different it includes involving the youth in the embassies initiatives like what i try to do is i try to engage the youth of india and bhutan more so that they can understand more about each other's cultures as well as develop a friendly relationship and collaborate more in the future because today if the youth does not know a lot about each other's culture there's no way 
they will be collaborating in the future so we are just trying to build that soft power in the youth as well as well as get them to know a lot about each other's cultures like if you can see there are a lot of issues in this world today especially with respect to peace like peace has become more challenging than ever and i've realized over time that the only way in which we can increase peace in across countries is by forging one on one relationships between citizens of two countries and that's what we are trying to do as a uh, basically that's what i'm trying to do as a youth ambassador right now and i've also come up with a magazine called explore culture via which we spread more information about the cultures of both countries across each other yeah i mean uh, in this day and age of internet uh, still uh, it's very difficult for people to empathize with each other right uh, to empathize at the end of the day to understand that uh, as human beings everyone goes through a similar set of problems uh, people always uh, consider uh, you know like us versus them and uh, a zero sum uh, game type of a situation but it doesn't have to be like that and it's very great that uh, you are partaking in uh, this venture mm-hmm. so uh, as as a, a youth ambassador uh, like do you also get to uh, uh, you know are you also involved in some kind of policy making or if if you are what are those policies that uh, are you know like put into effect by you okay sure so uh, when you say policy making the way i work is i inform both the countries about the policy shifts which are happening so today if there's a policy shift in bhutan it's very likely that we as indians won't know about it <clears throat> because indian media is mostly going to be covering all the policy shifts in india itself so what i do is i interview a lot of ministers of bhutan and i publish their uh, policy shifts or policy changes whatever are happening across a lot of international websites so if indians want to know more about whatever is happening i have my interviews with the foreign minister of bhutan as well as the health minister and everyone which is relevant to the current times posted across a lot of websites so that just increases the information which the youth can have on different policies across both the countries and as well as policy making is concerned i think as a even the embassy does not play a large role in policy making which happens in bhutan because the country's policies fall within its own domain so uh, as citizens of india we cannot we can maybe try to influence them by talking to them about what we think is best but we cannot shape the policies of their country yeah of course uh, i mean we cannot take away their sovereignty but uh, yeah like we can always lend a helping hand but uh, I, like just a quick small question what are the international publications that uh, are you talking about like, uh, which websites can i point uh, my listeners to uh, if if they want to check it out oh, okay so there are variety of them you know so there's asia times which largely covers information about asia which includes india china bhutan pakistan and mostly india's neighbors so it's a very very asia centric website and it's a very very reputed international relations and defense website as well i even contribute to eurasian times which covers europe and asia at large as well as modern diplomacy which is a largely public policy website we can say because they cover everything about you know new policies and new developments in diplomacy 
and then there are a couple of indians indian ones as well but you know like they're not that well reputed they are just used for the dissemination of information yeah you know as before this we were talking about the soft power coming back uh, to the uh, topic that we were talking about which was soft power initially and then i i was wondering that according to you since you have uh, uh, you are the youth ambassador right now between the two countries so you have been dealing with uh, the uh, you know the people to people interactions that the two countries have so according to you how much of a role does cultural exchange play in establishing peace between the between two countries or say a group of countries or the entire globe as we can speak so i think that uh, basically cultural exchange is one of the most important things to spread more international peace and i'm i'm daring to say it's the most important thing because you cannot really respect a person till you know what their culture is there's this saying in india which is said by chanakya and he was chandragupta maurya's advisor he said that you cannot trust someone even a friend till you've seen their home so it means that you know you need to be well acquainted with the culture of the person even if it's a friend so that you can understand them better and build on that friendship so even if people come from largely different cultures like you know indian bhutan where we don't know a lot about each other or the religious practices the traditions the clothing the food we can probably develop more cultural understanding and empathy towards each other so that you know we can have more peace in, in this world yeah you know but uh, sometimes when we again talk about talking about the cultural exchange again coming you know talking about how the countries initiate especially the larger economies do you think the initial objective behind cultural exchange is you know uh, Uh, again matlab uh, is this only about exchanging your cultures or is it also about bigger economies pushing up their agenda with a tint of soft power because nowadays if you look at the you know entire world we can see the americanization of the globe because people have adopted the american culture so easily and so well that nowadays what you aspire to be your lifestyle is particularly american lifestyle for example following kim kardashian on instagram and then you know aspiring to use apple products uh, for electronics and then wearing a nike t-shirt and flaunting in people's faces that you own such products and these things are particularly you know uh, pushing up the american agenda and you know boosting up the american economies so this can and also this can be called you know a push of soft power which people generally you know glorify it by saying by calling it as a, a cultural exchange because now we also call us the cult, melting melting pot of all cultures so how do you see the initial object objective behind bigger economy especially if you look at india which is said to be the brick brother of the entire subcontinent how do you see and perceive the cultural exchange that initially india talks about or india initiates uh so i don't think that india is only talking about culture to spread their soft power because if you see that they also just like you mentioned that you know indians want to wear nike and apple and then show it off and you know kind of prove that they've become more americanized if you go to rishikesh you often see more foreigners there than indians themselves 
and you see that foreigners are wearing om shaped t-shirts with rudraksh malas around them and with the saffron on their forehead just because they also uh, believe in india and i'm more interested in their culture if it was only to build up the economy or to to build up the soft power americans and indians wouldn't even be interested in each other at a deeper level you know we wouldn't be traveling all that distance just to get that exposure it's also about understanding where other people come from and developing more humility so to a large extent even though it does benefit the economy which it definitely does it's not because it's not only for the economy if even people have a larger interest in it today the reason you yourself want to maybe go to france after seeing emily in paris which is a trending show on netflix right now is not because france has taken an extra effort to develop a soft power over you or something it's mostly because you want to make that personal journey where you learn more about the culture you're roaming around the streets of paris and maybe having a bagel in your hand and entering a fashion house so it's your personal experience that's what i talk about when i'm talking about the individual level connections yeah uh, so that is i mean uh, very well put and again like there are there are there can always be unforeseen uh, side effects to things and uh, just as uh, people want to you know develop empty or exchange culture doesn't mean that they want to uh, extend their influence as well uh, it's how you handle it more than anything and uh, that's very well put with it so if if we are done with uh, the uh, bhutan's line of questions uh, we can move on to uh, your work as uh, work in pr and pr field uh, how you came uh, to be the founder of everest pr and uh, like what what does that entail so i always wanted to start my own pr firm because i realized that to really grow businesses you need to give them an audience and they can only get an audience when people are genuinely interested in what they do and they know more about them so on that line i started everest pr the reason it's called everest pr is because of my love for trekking and i just believe that to uh, just like people want to climb everest and reach the top all the other companies in this world also want to build on their brand and reach the top so that was my main motivation of starting the company but then the sort of work we do ranges around digital media social marketing and everything else under the sun okay so like uh, as as i uh, have come to know that uh, pr is not a profession right it's an art uh, it's some people are good at it and some people are bad at it so uh, what what could you say uh, about pr uh, or even you know reaching out to people throughout uh, different media platforms what is the one thing that uh, is always useful and essential when when you want to reach out to people and maintain a good image uh so again as i said uh, in pr also is the same thing like building on what i said as my role is the youth ambassador it's about the relation one on one which you can build so and as well as show respect for other people so today if i'm managing the profile of a businessman and if he says anything which is incorrect in the media people will automatically lose lose respect for him because they will know that you know this person is not saying something for the larger good 
So in PR as well, the concept of the larger good comes into play because most of the companies today are trying to be more ethical and are trying to portray that image to the customers because today as a customer, you too don't want to associate with an unethical brand. You want to know where your money is going and how that money is being used even by the brand later. So right now, there's this company based out of the UK called Fable and Name. It's a very, very interesting brand because their logo is that of a tiger. It's basically shampoos, conditioners, and a lot of bath and body products. Their logo is that of the, a tiger and whatever profits they make, most of it goes into tiger conservation. So automatically, you get more interested to buy the brand because you know that they're doing something more ethical with your money. Okay, uh, but like, uh, especially in terms of social media, right now, nowadays, people have a one on one contact with these huge companies that publicly that that a lot of people, uh, like 20 or 30 years ago, didn't have right, uh, if, if someone hurls abuse even at a company, or uh, if they are dissatisfied with a product, uh, and they take it out on that company via Twitter, it's it's open for everyone to see and uh, like that's where like responding to that amicably or like trying to solve that problem really comes into the fore and we have seen a lot of brands like uh, you know wendy's and uh, like a lot of football clubs uh, like reacting in a very witty way uh, like engaging with their audience in in a very entertaining manner so how do you think social media uh, is changing the pr game first and second uh, like what are your general suggestions on how uh, like your clients should interact or maintain a level of communication with their users on social media so that's a very very interesting question and what you said is happening with wendy's in america today the, maybe the same thing's happening even with Swiggy and Zomato. If you check out their social media platforms, a lot of people when they've got cold food or food with like, you know, which is probably dry or something which they don't like, have gone on social media and have actually posted outrageous comments against the company. And instead of handling them in a very soft, polite way, the company has come back to them and has given them very, very witty remarks. So it makes the customer feel more engaged with the brand and it makes them trust them even more but this could even play both ways because today just because the customer couldn't get a proper response from their customer care team they have found a way to release their outrage on social media but what if that same client was not on social media it's very probable that swiggy would not even come to know about them so while social media is helping you to save your customers, it also means that a lot of the customer care teams who are not doing their job seriously anymore are probably causing the company to lose out on a lot of customers. So in this age when a lot of the millennials are on social media like Instagram, whereas a lot of the older groups are trying to navigate their way and are finding a way to use Instagram and other platforms like that, we cannot completely shift our focus to social media we also need to ensure that our customer care teams and other physical human-to-human teams are strong. At the end of the day, social media is not supposed to be a space just for outrage of a managing angry customer's comments. It's also a space where you attract more people and you engage with the customer. 
so uh, that's what i think about social media at large and i think the general points which i'd like uh, people to consider when they are handling their own social media account is basically just that you know they need to post more engaging content which is relevant for the times like if you look at uh, the situation right now there's a pandemic going around and uh, people need to feel more safe whenever they are ordering something online so social media just molds itself for the times it's an echo of the world it's not the real world yeah that's very nicely put and uh, yeah. sammy uh, could you kick, like uh, get us on with the last question i i am afraid vidhi uh, you're too busy so we'll have to wrap this up with the last <laughs> question Okay, yeah. sure. Bring it on. Yeah, uh, you know, just like you mentioned that you have an interest in trekking. I this was a very informal question, and I wanted to know which uh, the treks that you have done until today, which of them was the best, and which trek gave you the best experience one could have out of a trek. Wow! Thank you so much for asking me that question. That was completely unexpected, but I love to answer it because trekking is. one of my biggest passions so i've done a lot of treks around uttarakhand and himachal like i've been to roopkund then i've also been to sandalfu which is the tallest mountain in west bengal as well as brahmatal so out of all of these three treks i really, like one of them was completely filled with a hailstorm when i was there there was no space to even walk at sandalfu because there was a hailstorm and i had to shut myself in the sleeping bag and almost suffocate but Roopkund was by by far my favorite trek because when I got out of the campsite, I saw the entire Milky Way line and the sky was filled with stars. And I just feel like trekking turns you into a more humble person because in this world we have running water with in taps and we have cars to take us to places. So often we don't recognize the value of the things which we have and we take them for granted. And when you go trekking, you realize that you need to melt your snow to have water. and you need to walk a great distance to get it so it just makes you value your life a lot more and gain real practical uh, skills for survival so i think that trekking is life transforming and everyone should try it once in their lives yes amazingly put and uh, vidhi just just one final question so like with this uh, pandemic uh, work from home has become a new norm and uh, like uh, as as you all already said that you love traveling uh, what do you think about the latest news uh, articles that are coming out that uttarakhand and other uh, states in india uh, like basically giving people work stations so that people can stay there and uh, work from there and how do you think that that is going to change the uh, tourism landscape as well as work uh, environment landscape So that's a very interesting question. In fact, I've written an entire article on this for Entrepreneur. I think that uh, work from home is not work from home anymore. It's just become work from wherever you want to work from, and people need to take maximum advantage of that because for most of our lives we have been wanting to go to a pristine destination and we wanted to stay there for the longest time, you know. And the pandemic's actually given us a chance to live that alternate reality. only if we are brave enough to actually lead it so a lot of the people in india now have just moved to hill stations have booked properties there for like 2 3 months and are staying there and i think it's a very very wise worthwhile decision 
because they get a get a taste of that alternate reality and as far as tourism is concerned a lot of the places are opening up right now and we are seeing a travel bubble which is created between india and a lot of countries like though there are a lot of restrictions i feel that tourism is going to pick up because at the end of the day we are all tired of staying at our houses and we we want to make that personal spiritual journey where we go and explore a place again we see something new and we feel alive so i feel that tourism is one way in which people get that hit from their life they feel alive again and it's not going to stop soon that was you know really well put about going places and how this pandemic is making people hungry to go places right now so i guess with this you know talk about trekking and tourism we are giving people our listeners a ray of hope about traveling at the end of this episode and so <laughs> <laughs> it was fun podding with you vidhi we really had a we really lo- got to know a lot i guess from this episode yeah I had, I thank really you so much podding with you uh, thank you vidhi thank you sami Yeah. Thank you so much Akash. Thank you so much Samriddhi. It was a fantastic experience talking to y'all. And I just realized that a lot of the questions you had asked me were so diverse and like they were so so interesting for me to answer. I'm sure the readers would also love to listen. So, listeners would also love to listen. So, thank you so much guys for having me here. Yes. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. It was it was a pleasure hosting you. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me to be here. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.